Living Adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Kamut, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running or bikepacking, Kamut's easy-to-use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Kamut. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here, needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Um... <laughs> Have a loop. I'm sitting this evening on top of a hill I know very, very well indeed. In fact, it's a hill, when I was a kid, it was the first hill I used to hammer down on my uh, on my bright pink mountain bike. It was the hill that I used to run up the most when I was starting to learn that running up hills was about not stopping, um, even when it hurts, or perhaps especially when it hurts, and other useful life metaphors. Um, I can see my mum and dad's house from here, the house where I grew up, where they still live, where I will be going for breakfast in the morning. I can see my primary school and the village where I got my first job. And earlier, as I was climbing up to this hilltop, I could hear the church bells ringing from the nearby village. And I knew that my dad would be one of those bell ringers. So this is a special hill for me. And this is the last night of my journey around Yorkshire. I set off to spend a month exploring my county, my home, to see, well, what home really means. Is it where you're born? Is it where you live right now? Or is it where the heart is? Is it what you make of it? Is it, as I saw on a sticker, is home where you park your van. <laughs> um, so I've been ex- interested in that. And also through this journey, I wanted to see whether I could have a big, valid, exciting, rewarding, interesting travel experience like the ones I used to do all over the world, but without needing to travel all over the world, to see if I could find adventure close to home. And along the way, I thought that it might be an interesting addition to my journey to meet people and to talk to them and to ask them the questions that were interesting me in my own life at this time and to ask them essentially what living adventurously meant to them. And so uh, for this final evening, it's a big full moon up on this Yorkshire moor. The curlews finally stopped its singing. It's cry and it's dark it's just me sitting outside my bivvy bag 
with a very special guest. So I'd like to introduce you tonight to one of the most heroic, handsome, interesting, intelligent, funny, strong, tough, modest people that I know. Uh, tonight, I'm going to interview Alistair Humphreys. Good evening, Alistair. Good evening. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought then, seeing as I've been inflicting these cards, I've got this deck of cards with hard questions on. I've been inflicting them on people all month, and I've been making people think, been making people cry. I thought it was about time I asked them to myself. So I've got the deck of cards here. All shuffled. I'm just going to start at the top. And I'm going to interview myself. Oh dear. Within reason, we can do anything. But we can't do everything. How do you choose how to spend your energy and time? Well, that answer has changed a lot over the years. Um, A chunk of years ago, I chose to spend my time by things that would earn me immediate money and pay the bills. So hundreds and hundreds of talks in schools for many, many years. And then I wanted to try to progress and build a bit of a career as an adventurer. And to do that, I figured I needed to get people to know me. So then I chose to spend a lot of energy and time writing a blog and pouring all of my knowledge and thoughts into that to try and get that out there and now that time's passed and I'm in this amazing position of making my living um, without giving too much thought to it really I now choose to spend my energy and time doing stuff that challenges me and makes me think but more importantly well not more importantly equally importantly makes me excited so what I need to be doing is stuff so that Nine o'clock on Monday morning, I'm thinking, whoopee-doo, I'm going to my shed. This is the best time of my week. And the days when my heart feels heavy, because that's not the case, that's when I try to think, oh, I need to change direction here, even if it is paying quite well. Yeah, do things that are exciting, rewarding, hopefully useful to other people, and that make you say whoopee-doo at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. What story would you put on the front page of the newspaper? Wow. That question's come up very rarely, actually, this month. The story I would put on the front page of the newspaper is um, along the lines of your grandchildren are going to suffer on this planet and the fault is yours. Something like that. Because the world's in a environment's in a terrible state now, and yet caused by our generation and our parents' generation primarily, and we are the first generation who knows the damage that we're doing to the world, but we're still not doing much about it. Next question: What were the two happiest periods of your life? Wow. Um, I think playing my violin through Spain, busking through Spain for a month with no money, just my violin, was a really joyful time. And you know, I might actually put up there this month, this month cycling around Yorkshire without much agenda, just the freedom to be out on the road, 
meeting interesting people, seeing things I've never seen before, going places I've never been before. Simple, free life. I've felt incredibly happy this month. I've only got angry once this month, and that was when I accidentally read a text message that came from my agent, who, of course, she was just doing her job, so not her fault at all, but reading this text message just brought the the other world back into me and got me in such a bad mood. So I think this month has been an incredible month of happiness and freedom as well. Yeah. Happiness and freedom and simplicity and outdoors and exercise, they seem to be linked to the times that I'm happy. I was also extremely happy in the year that I spent living in South Africa between school and university, just me and a mate under the hot South African sun, having a brilliant time teaching a little school, climbing hills to drink sunset beers. They were good, good times. What would you say to, next question, what would you say to someone who told you that your life was becoming less adventurous? Well, I'd punch them on the nose. Um, <laughs> I would agree with them. I'd say, yes, you're right. My life is becoming less adventurous. And that is because it used to be extremely adventurous, but I'm now older and have different motives and priorities in my life. And I would accept that, yeah, my life is becoming less adventurous. And that's fine. Three, four, five, six, seven years ago, I'd have denied it and raged against it and got very furious against the accusation and got very insecure and angry. <laughs> But I think my trip to Spain was a good cathartic thing in thinking, yeah, times move on. And now my adventurous life now is doing stuff like this, meeting random people and asking them questions. I enjoy that now. And yeah, I can't, if you know, I haven't got the anger and drive to go ski solo to the North Pole in my pants anymore. That, that anger has gone. I just couldn't really be bothered anymore. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior or habit has most improved your life? Gosh, five years. Um, I'm not sure if it's quite five years, but I'd probably say things like deadlifts, pull-ups, regular stretching. Um, a time, a phases meditation. Uh, becoming vegetarian slash vegan. It's made me feel good. Um, and saying no, saying no to stuff, saying no to work that I don't want to do, saying no more. That's been a really helpful thing. Say no more. Um, yeah, that's been really good. Free up time for the stuff that is really important. Next question. Who was the most adventurous grown-up you knew when you were a child? I was interested in this question because I don't really remember anyone who is adventurous. I remember at junior school, we had Mr. Robotham, who I remember him taking us to dinghy sailing in the evenings. We'd get back quite late, nodding off to sleep in the minibus. And he was the one who took us to go do the Yorkshire Three Peaks um, when I was nine. But he was just a French teacher who liked a bit of outdoor pursuits. I guess he was pretty cool. But he wasn't adventurous. I didn't know any wild, crazy, mad grown-ups at all. I didn't know any grown-ups who did any exercise. 
Didn't know any grown-ups who went camping or climbed trees or swam rivers or read books. Don't know what everyone was doing in the eighties, watching the newfound it new newly uh, invented ITV. Perhaps can you share an example of trying to find a balance between contentment and self improvement? Gosh, this has been a struggle with me. Um, yes, building my shed. Um, when I, I wrote a book called Micro Adventure a few years ago, and it got my big at the time my biggest ever royalty advance and I was so excited that I spent it all not on a Ferrari and a yacht but on <laughs> a shed and I wallpapered it with ordnance survey maps from the book that I had been writing and I built that shed to try to separate my two lives so that I could have my shed and be adventural and get on with my work and work hard and then when the work hours are over I could stop turn off the computer close my books put down the pen and walk out into the world as normal Al. And I think that has been a really good thing of me trying to separate my lives. Do you think you will manage to be the person you want to be? <laughs> um, I think I am the person I want to be. I'm still a bit too rootless, and I'm a bit too impatient and in a hurry and ambitious but gosh I'm in a better place than I was a few years ago so I think I am the person I want to be wow I wouldn't have said that a few years ago good thing to go ride your bike around for a month it seems what are you doing at times when you what are you doing at times you feel that you're being a good partner parent spouse sibling or friend um I am paying full, deep attention to them and the thing we are doing together. In other words, the TV is off and my phone is nowhere to be seen. What's holding you back? Why haven't you already begun? Um, I think I've begun a lot of the things I want to be doing. I think I'm getting pretty good at just launching into creative projects that interest me, <laughs> like interviewing myself at the top of a hill <laughs> in the pitch dark. Um, I wish I lived up in the hills in a little remote, beautiful village and a cottage and a river and, some, and a wood and a little coffee shop. So I find that kind of is a thing that is holding me back. But most things, I think I'm doing all right at beginning stuff, really. There's no grand, massive project or change in my life that I think I'm hesitant to begin at the moment. If you could live life over, what would you do differently? Gosh. Um... I would worry less as a youth about trying to fit in with everyone. Um, I wouldn't go to university. Or if I did go to university, I'd do something interesting 
<laughs> uh, something that oh, something like something to do with reading books and writing books and taking photos or art or something interesting or learning Spanish. Yeah, I probably just wouldn't go to university. Um, I would. I would be more flexible with the way my life evolves. I think when I was in my early 20s at university, I came up with some pretty fierce dogma for how to live a good, strong, stern, austere, ascetic, adventurous life. And then I stuck to that dogma for almost 20 years, even when so many things had changed. I think I think really I should just have gone with the flow a bit more in terms of I change, times change, and the way I go about my life changes. Right, next question. Can you share an example of what the word home means to you? Well, this is a good question, seeing as it's the last night of my trip around Yorkshire, my home. So I began this trip really not sure whether Yorkshire was home. Whenever someone says to me, where do you live? Wherever I'm in the world, I say, oh, I live down in London, but I'm from Yorkshire. I always say that. I'm really proud of being Yorkshire. I'm always banging on about Yorkshire cricket and Yorkshire winning all the Olympic goals and all that stuff. So I'm really proud of it. But I haven't got a Yorkshire accent. And I've lived out of Yorkshire for longer than I lived here. And even when I'm here, I never really feel that great sense of belonging around the community where I grew up. Uh, where I live now, down south, I definitely do not feel is home. That's just a house that I'm currently in till I can go live in the hills. Um, and then I spent years traveling around the world, being permanently rootless and homeless and kind of yearning for it. So I think I really want I really want some sort of home. I want to have the sense of belonging, but I don't really have it. And actually what this month has shown me cycling around Yorkshire is that as particularly as I closed in on the area that I grew up in, is that I think this does feel to me as much like home as anywhere I have. Not as much as I want it to, but more than anywhere else I have. And what does home mean? I think it means somewhere you just feel that you belong. Yeah, I don't have that yet. Tell me about trying to live a full adventurous life <laughs> and still also fulfill your responsibilities. Gosh, well, I've done a spectacularly ham-fisted job of this for quite a few years. Can I refer you to a book that I've just written called My Midsummer Morning? <laughs> that would be a shorter <laughs> than short answer and also earn me some cash. What is enough? I've spent years priding myself on more, 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 more. And by that, I don't mean possessions. I mean experiences and achievements and hard work and more, more, more. And I think now, sitting on this hilltop, having listened to the curlews and listened to my dad's bell ringing and watching the full moon, wearing every scrap of clothes I've got because even though it's August, it's going to be cold. I think that's enough. I think that's enough. That is enough.
What are you willing to sacrifice for ambition? <laughs> These questions are hilarious to turn on myself because I wrote them all because <laughs> they're so pointed at me. Gosh, well, for about, golly gosh, for about 10 years, I was willing to sacrifice my sanity, my sleep, my relationships, my family for ambition. And then eventually I came around to changing my priorities there to think that actually all of those things are more important than ambition. So these days, I'm not willing to sacrifice very much for ambition. I think I'm willing to work very hard for a life feel that feels like purpose, but ambition in terms of being rich or famous or impressing other people... I'm done with that. <laughs> yeah, these questions are killing me. Tell me about how you find a balance between work, play, money, and family. Right. I work in my shed and then I leave it. So that's a very important part. I make a, I make a determined effort that play, which in my world means exercise, is not just a fun, frivolous, voluntary, expendable activity. It's a compulsory necessity at least as important as eating and therefore I need to schedule it in and if that means going to bed really late or getting up really early then so be it but I need to exercise and I also need to sleep a lot so I schedule that in as well sleep is not an option to skip either I used to think that sleep was for wimps <laughs> I don't do that anymore money for years money I worked so hard for money 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 to pay the bills to fulfill my idea of self-worth and then I got to a point where I started to earn an adequate amount and I worried about it less but then money became really important to me as a measure of my self-worth because I just work for myself I don't have anyone to compare to I don't get promoted to manager and director and chief whatever whatever they become chief petty officer or whatever I don't get promoted so for years I thought how much I got paid was just a measure of my worth and I still actually see it as that I don't really care about I ha I'm in that glorious position now of having enough money and therefore I can say I don't care about it which is a big privilege so really now I see money as being something that I, I put it as my self-worth really it's a bit daft but I do and family well and then the family comes first. That comes first and everything else can fit in behind that. Um, sometimes these days I get offered what seems like a bonkers amount of money to do very little work, which actually is often brilliant fun. And I say, no, sorry, I can't do that because I'm going to go watch my son play football. <laughs> and then he gets substituted and plays about 10 minutes. <laughs> what's stopping you from living more adventurously well more adventurously in the literal sense what's stopping me is that I've got a young family and therefore I don't have a nearly as much time as I would like to get out on proper mad adventures and so what's stopping me living more adventurously in other ways is nothing so my adventures have become much more internal in my head and based around curiosity and inquiry these days which sounds a bit wimpish
<laughs> what purchase of £100 or less has most positively impacted your life recently? I should at this point acknowledge that a few, well, quite a few of these questions came crowdsourced. I asked via Twitter, so if, um, and then I picked the ones that felt resonant to me and tweaked them to tweak the phrasing. And a couple have come from Tim Ferriss, who asks very good questions. So thank you, Mr. Ferris. Um, I think the pull-up bar that I installed behind my shed, which actually is free because it's a bit of wood and some string, has been really good for my back and just a little good burst of energy exercise when I'm working. Um, I bought a really nice pen. It was only about five pounds that Jason Kotke, very good website, a regular blog, told me about, ah, not much use, I can't remember the name. Um, I got given a Nutribullet, one of those um, um, smoothie jobs, which I thought, oh man, I'm not millennial enough for this. But actually, I really like that now. I just use it for blitzing moldy vegetables and down this green gunk. I find that's really good. Oh, and also I've, I've got started getting a local veg box. It's all vegetables from my county and I really really like that what is the question that you are afraid to ask Whew, well I've asked quite a lot of them in these cards Gosh. Um, let's go for something like will my children feel able to confide in me when they are 25 Ooh, it's quite tiring a stick or twist ah, so I'm advising someone here in general my life is comfortable and happy so should I risk a new challenge and make big changes if your life is comfortable and happy I would recommend you stick because that's a brilliant place to be I'd stretch it a little bit by trying to find some purpose. So if for some reason, for example, you are end up being a millionaire and you're just having a lovely life, that's great, but I'd make sure you throw some purpose into your life and that's where the stretch can be. So don't just have comfortable and happy. Make sure it's worthwhile and useful. But if it's comfortable and happy, geez, you're one of the lucky ones. Be grateful for that. Tell me about the last time you climbed a tree. Or swam in a river or watched the sunset from a hilltop. Well, I watched the sunset from a hilltop this evening, as I've described. I swam in a river earlier today, a little waterfall, which was cold and beautiful, and it was one I swam in a lot as a kid. Last time I climbed a tree was a beautiful beech tree in a wood near Fountains Abbey. It was all twisted and green and really beautiful. God, I love climbing trees. It's one of those really easy ones with the handholds that get up there. Ask me a hard question. Right, listen, I'm going to ask you a hard question. What do you really, really, really want to be doing in your life? Why don't you get on with it? There you are. Right. If you asked your childhood self who you thought you would be now, would you measure up? What three things would your younger self be proud of? Wowzers. I think if my childhood self saw me now, he would be absolutely 
delighted. As a kid, I always felt a bit of a loser. I'd never was very good at anything. I really cared what people thought about me. And I don't think they thought very much of me. I was just a bit anonymous. So now I'm in a position where I earn my living by writing books. I'm going on adventures. I've got good friends and family. I think my kid me would be delighted. I'm also, I have to say this, way stronger than I thought used to, thought I'd ever be. I was such a weed as a kid. <laughs> what three things would your younger self be proud of? My younger self would be proud that I'm um, still pretty fit, fast, strong and healthy um, through not conceding to middle age. Um, he'd be proud that I've been on some big adventures, been around the world. What else would he be proud of? Well, I don't know. Two's not bad. Two's not bad. <laughs> this is so ridiculously narcissistic. Anyway. Are you sacrificing your present happiness for the sake of a happier future or the other way around? At the moment, I'm sacrificing a happier future for my present happiness. And by that, all I mean is that I'm not earning that much cash. So I'm going to have fewer Ferraris when I'm older, which is pretty minor detail. So I think I'm all right at the moment. I don't. I think present happiness is definitely my priority at the moment. I'm doing the things that feel important and right at this phase of my life. Um, I think I'm doing well on that. What's a good decision you've made in life, and what can that teach me about making decisions? I think a good decision I made was. Geez, well, one was deciding to go tricycle around the world when I was a student, even though I'd never done anything like that before, and no one I knew was doing anything like that before. And I think that can teach you about decisions because it shows you that sometimes it's worth just being ridiculously bold and audacious and backing yourself, even though there's zero evidence to that, and going against the tide. Another good decision I made was trying to go professional to try and turn the adventures I'd loved into my job. And I think going professional really is just an attitude. It's a decision of, I'm going to take this really, really seriously and see if I can make it work. So I think what that could teach you about making decisions is if you decide to do something, do it with all your heart and don't hold back knowing that you'll then be able to hide behind excuses and blame. Do you wish you had more freedom? Well, this is a hard one to answer given that I'm currently on my last night of a whole month of utter blissful freedom and I'm right now sitting on a hilltop in the dark on a weekday. I don't even know what day of the week it is. That is a sign of good freedom. So I think in that sense, it would sound ridiculously gluttonous for me to wish for more. And yet, I certainly do wish I had more freedom. 
Do you need to earn money or do you want to earn money? I think I've talked about that. And luckily these days now, I don't really need it because I just got to a system whereby it comes okay. And the wanting really just comes from proving my self-worth, really. (sighs) Right. On a scale of 1 to 10, how weird are you? (laughs) Um... One, I'm not weird at all. Anyone who thinks I'm weird is weird. I'm not weird. Um, What's the right balance between being selfish versus selfless? Well, I think it's important to be sufficiently selfish so that you remember to look after yourself, to make sure you put the petrol in the tank and grease the wheels... I don't know how many car metaphors. Grease the wheels and twiddle the knobs and um, keep the engine ticking over and polish your exterior so you're nice and shiny and so that you're in a good running condition to be of service to everyone else. It's certainly good to be of service, but you don't want to be a martyr. Being a martyr and grinding yourself to the ground doesn't help anyone. So I think taking enough care of yourself that probably feels and then maybe even looks quite selfish is important so that you can then give better of yourself. What book should I read to make myself more wild, bold and curious? A book recommendation for you. Um, Waterlog by Roger Deakin. Yeah, that's all I'd suggest. If you had one extra hour every day all to yourself, how would you spend it? Oh, goodness me, how I would yearn for one extra hour every day all to myself. I would spend it... I'd probably do alternate days of reading, writing, running. The three R's. What's your favourite failure in life and why was it important? Oh my goodness. I'm not sure if... Favourite failure. Gosh, this is hard. Um, Well, I spent five years with my good friend Ben Saunders and Andy Ward trying to get an expedition to the South Pole. Five years of chasing money, and in those five years, we failed. And, well, I then had to quit the project. Ben and Andy carried on and succeeded, but I quit, and I always see that as a big, big failure. I don't really see it as a favourite one. I still regret that a lot. However, I think uh, I did learn several things. I learned that it's great to be on a project with good friends and to be working hard for something bonkers and exciting is thrilling and wonderful um i didn't like putting my fate in other people's hands and i didn't really like working on a project that wasn't my project where i was at someone else's whims ultimately and that taught me then to just go on my own direction and do my own things in my own way and do my own best to try and make it work and at least that way I could face triumphal disaster and claim them both for myself. And it taught me a lot about going professional, as in just, if you're going to do this, 
take it seriously and work hard at it. If you're going to take a self-timer photo of yourself standing on a hilltop, take 20 <laughs> until you get one that works. If you could magically change one thing in your life, what would it, would, what would it be? Well, I quite like to be ruggedly handsome, the housewife's crumpet adventurer. That would require a lot of magic. I think if I could change one thing in my life, I would live in a a change where I live so that I could be living with adventure and adventurous folk and good coffee literally on my doorstep. What are you proud of? I'm really proud that I cycled around the world when I was young. I'm really proud that I've managed to turn all these daft adventures and creative type things that I like into a perfectly viable job. I'm proud that I um, managed to make it through Spain without any, without any money. I'm really proud, not proud, proud's not the right word, but... I love that micro-adventures has become a far, far bigger thing than I ever thought it would and that it has led to loads of people going off and doing really cool stuff. That's awesome. I mean, that's way better than, say, my rowing across the Atlantic or walking across the desert. It feels useful. It's wonderful. If you could pause everything and spend a year doing whatever you wanted, what would you do? I'd probably spend the rest of the year continuing to cycle around Yorkshire, following my nose, eating in cafes, and asking people these questions. What won't you be able to do in 10 years' time that you can do now? Right. Um, well, physically, I don't think it'll be... End I hope and I intend to work hard that physically I'll be able to do everything that I can do It'll ju it will just be a bit slower. But I think, and I thoroughly intend, that I'll be able to do everything in 10 years' time. In fact, I'll have more freedom in 10 years' time, so I'll be able to do more. Yeah. What would a life spent living adventurously look like to you? I think it would just involve trying to do things that were new and exciting and unusual and surprising with unknown and unknowable outcomes doing that regularly, I think. How would your life be different if you were a millionaire? Um, if I was a millionaire, I would have fewer ethical dilemmas about which brand partnerships to work with. I would probably do fewer talks. I'd eat in a lot more delis. What did you think that being aged X was going to be like? What is it actually like? I'm terrible. I'm such a Peter Pan. Peter Pan, Poet Eternus. I remember when I was 25, I was in Lebanon. And I thought I was so old and I was doomed and my life was over. 
And then when I was 29, I was cycling through 28. I was cycling through a desert in Central Asia and I saw this road sign saying 30 and it was all cracked and battered and I saw that's such a metaphor for life and I thought, oh, when I'm 30, my life will be over. And then when I was 40, I couldn't bear it and I went and spent the day running through the hills in the snow in the Lake District on my own. <laughs> so I suspect that will probably continue forever. What advice can you give me so that I look back on my life with satisfaction rather than regrets I would say <clears throat> I'd say you're more likely to regret the things you don't do than the things you do so try it even if you think you'll fail um, a lot of things that fail seem to turn out to lead to good avenues I've met so many people on this trip who've had really bad things happen in their lives deaths and divorces and bankruptcy and disaster but who all seem to see that as a blessing as the end so so try to be a bit braver and bolder and go for stuff um do what you, do what fills your heart with joy not what you think society should uh expect of you spend more time outside and turn off the telly yeah, that's what I recommend. <laughs> tell me most about making tell me about making the most out of life. I think that pretty much is what I just did say. What is an absurd thing that you love? Jumping in rivers and climbing trees. Most people think they're absurd, and I love them both deeply. I think they're very good for the soul. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be happy and content and just not constantly chasing something. What would the 80-year-old version of yourself advise you to do? I suspect the 80-year-old version of me would advise me to seize the moment and the time with my family while I have them close to treasure the happy healthy times to work hard at staying fit and healthy so my 80 year old me will thank myself read more books keep in touch with my friends I don't think he'll tell me to do too much um, <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Gosh. Um, who do you want to remember you and how when you are dead? I want my family to remember me as someone who liked a good laugh and had lots of energy and enthusiasm and curiosity. I think that's what I'd like, yeah. That sounds good to me. How could you be happier? Oof. I think I could be happier by just choosing to be happier and by parking the stuff that makes me angry and resentful and removing that baggage. So I think mostly it's just a choice for me. Um, probably by going for more bike rides 
spending more time in the hills, spending more time with my friends. I really don't spend enough time with my friends. That's what I should do. What small things you do regularly which greatly improves your life? Um, I've talked about exercise a lot, so I'll choose something else. When I read books, I fold down corners that has a thing that interests me. And then I, when I finish the book, I pile it up. And usually on some boring day when I can't be bothered to do my tax returns, I go through the pile of books and all the folded down page corners, I read again, I find the quote that excited me or interested me or made me think, and I write it up into this Google document, which is now about, gosh, 18 years old of just interesting bits and bobs from books that I've read. If you could only work two hours per week on your business, what would you do? Okay, I think the important word there is business, in which case, business as in making money. If I could only work for two hours per week on the stuff that makes my money, what would I do? I think I would try to write two really good Instagram posts that were either really good exciting travel stories with some sort of message some sort of learning some sort of experienced thing the kind of stuff that people book me for talks to talk about so I try and write two Instagram posts a really good short essay on a really beautiful photo and I'd set it up so that automatically goes to Facebook and Twitter and to my blog as I've already done yeah, I think that's what I'd do. If I only had two hours a week for my business. If I only had two hours a week for not the money earning side of things, then I'd do two hours of book writing. Should I choose security or what makes my heart sing? You should choose what makes your heart sing. No question. It's scary, but goodness me. Why don't choose security when you should be cho- when you have the opportunity to choose what makes your heart sing? I've met so many people are on this ride around Yorkshire who've chosen what makes their heart sing, and boy, it's a wonderful thing. Are you doing what you love? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I am. It makes my heart sing. Tell me the story of something you regret. I regret that I didn't evolve my definitions of what an adventurous life, a good life, a full life, a purposeful life. I didn't evolve all those definitions as I changed from being a 21-year-old over the next 21 years. I remained dogmatic far too long and I deeply regret that yeah which leads to the final question to pack which is quite apt from that what does living adventurously mean to you has that definition changed with time what did it mean to you as a child well I realized well sitting here now makes me realize just I I always think that I wasn't adventurous as a child but I now realise I'm sitting on this big hill, quite a few miles from home, that I used to muck around on as a little kid. I used to cycle and roam and wander. 
And I thought I was just a bored teenager killing time. But I realize now, actually, I was learning. I was learning to explore and to be curious and to have adventures. And I had so much rural freedom. I was wonderful as a kid. Even though it didn't really feel like adventure, it just felt like me doing my thing on my cool 130-pound bright pink Townsend Equalizer mountain bike. Um, and what does living adventurously mean? Well, I've talked about how my definitions didn't change, and they should have done. But what living adventurously means to me at the moment is is, is not really anything really to do with Gore-Tex and carabiners and bivy bags. I think they are all part of wonderful adventurous activities. But living adventurously these days for me is much more about just every single day choosing to be inquisitive and curious and surprise myself. Yeah, and I've spent the last month doing that. It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, It's now pretty late at night. I had a long day riding over the moors and fells. It's the Perseid meteor shower tonight. So I'm going to get into my bivy bag and look for some meteors. That would be a pretty good end to this trip. Yeah, that would be nice. Good night. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. There's show notes from every episode on my website, alistairhumphreys.com slash podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. To make this podcast happen, I teamed up with Kamut, the outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Kamut helps you have better adventures is through their highlights feature. Kamut highlights are recommendations from local adventurers in the area you want to explore. They could be a great cafe, a particularly beautiful stretch of trail, a lookout point, or a well-stocked shop. These recommendations appear on the map as highlights, large red dots for popular highlights, those with lots of additional information and images, or small red dots for highlights that have fewer comments and images. Inside the hint, the size of the dot doesn't necessarily correspond to the quality of the highlight in real life. It only indicates how many people have visited the highlight before you. Perhaps it's a little less visited and therefore all the more special. Your very own outdoor experiences and some inspiring highlights are waiting for you. Go explore more with Kamut. Head to kamut.com slash g and use the voucher code ADVENTUROUS to claim your free region bundle.